Good morning, everyone. It is the 25th of October. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Alex Byrne and Bushra Ahmed. Last week, we had an encouraging development in the story of Evergrande, the hugely indebted Chinese property developer. A payment on its overseas debt due last month was finally made, although this sector is clearly not out of the woods yet. Flash PMI data from around the world gave a mixed picture, but with continued weakness in German manufacturing data, clearly suffering from bottlenecks in the supply chain. And this is mirrored elsewhere, Alex, by disappointing industrial production data from both of the the world's two biggest economies. Morning, Lorna. Indeed, important but also slightly worrying data from the two largest engines of growth globally. China year-on-year industrial production. So last month was 5.3. Expectation 4.5 for this month, and the actual came at 3.1. So well below both the expectation and last month. So a much stronger slowdown than was expected. On the face of it, clearly very weak. The same with GDP. Last quarter was 1.2, given an annual pace of 8% growth. With an expectation this month or this quarter of 0.5, an actual number that came in at 0.2, which is an overall growth rate of just under 5% growth annually. Very worrying data from one of the largest engines of growth globally. This, remember, though, is coming from a peak in recovery of 18.3% a couple of quarters ago. The underlying figures also paint a slightly more positive story, but it's unsure whether these on the face of it will be enough to satisfy the market and look through the clearly weak data that's coming through. The US likewise, so this month-on-month industrial production last month was 0.1% negative, expectation for a slight increase to 0.2. The actual came in at negative 1.3, which is the biggest fall since the start of the pandemic. So again, clearly worrying and seeing that balance between the recovery and inflation stifling and struggle of reopening because these bottlenecks clearly come into life in the real and now. What's probably very important this week is that we have US GDP data, which is already expecting a reduction, but clearly from what we've seen on those three previous there could be a significant count. Yes, we have seen a steady increase in US Treasury bond yields over recent weeks, really, meaning prices have fallen. That would indicate an expectation of interest rate hikes. And supporting this, there's been a sharp pickup in a forward indicator of inflation expectations in the US, known as the 10-year break-even rate. It's a fairly technical indicator, but I wondered if you could shed some light on that for us, Alex. It's essentially the market's medium-term view on what inflation would have to be. It comes from the difference between inflation-protected security and a non-inflation-protected security. So it's a proxy for what inflation will be medium term. The US 10 years, as you said, hit a high 2.6% indication of inflation, which is a decade high. The five-year hit 2.86%, so in the short term, slightly higher. And that's its highest number since 2005. If we contrast this clearly to the inflation target of the Fed of 2%, obviously it's reasonably significantly higher depending on which way you look at it. But that transitory story around rising energy costs, supply chain issues, pent up demand doesn't seem to entirely explain that medium term number that we've seen or that the market's anticipating and the expectation that inflation could in fact be much more stronger, much more durable than expectations of the Fed currently are. Yes, we'll watch how that story develops. But nearer term, we have a raft of earnings reports from the big tech names in the US this week, including Apple, Amazon, Facebook. And I think markets will be quite nervously waiting for these numbers after Snap dropped almost 25% on Friday, talking about a decline in advertising revenues. On the macroeconomic front, we have this September PCE inflation number from the US, and that is the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. What are you looking for there, Alex? 
Yeah, exactly, Lorna. It's the Fed's preferred inflation measure, so it's of particular importance to investors. Given their movement of forward hikes and tapering last month and the previous discussion around inflation that we just had, this number could be particularly important this month. Core PC inflation is expected to stay fairly steady year on year, 3.7 versus 3.6 last time. But it's still a slight gulf between that core number and the non-core number that excludes more volatile food and energy, which came in at uh, 4.3 last month. Don't expect there will be much change, especially from the Fed side of things. But I imagine they'll want to see that at least some of the underlying elements are at least easing. Previous months that we've had every single measure moving up hasn't been a comfortable sitting, I would believe, for the Fed. But again, that balance between the recovery consumer pent-up demand and the re-employment and then on the other side the inflation stake from that is clearly very finely balanced and we want to see some at least positive in the latter part of that we want to see again strength coming through in jobs numbers struggle to see more recently but uh, especially on the wage side of things but also on the consumer data to support that positive growth side yes we do indeed you referred earlier to us gdp data coming out this week what is the number that you're expecting there so the US gdp side comes out on thursday quarter on quarter we expect 2.8% growth, but that's from a 6.7% quote-unquote growth last time around. This slowdown in the has clearly been affected by the reopening stolen from Delta and also from the lessening of fiscal support by the Fed, but also the central government as well. And then Bushra, Sunday brings the start of the UN's climate change conference known as COP26. Can you tell us a bit more about the summit and its goals? Good morning. Yes, the much-awaited COP26 is finally here and being held in Glasgow from 31st of October till 12th of November. All 197 nations and territories who are members of the UNFCC can join. The aim is to bring together leaders from around the world to set out and accelerate goals for reaching carbon neutrality, which is the Paris Agreement aiming to limit global temperature increases to no more than 2 degrees Celsius and preferably 1.5 degrees Celsius. The agreement includes a requirement for each country to raise its target every five years and to provide financial, technical, and capacity-building assistance to developing countries. This COP is expected to be the biggest and most important climate change conference yet because the urgency is clear. Given that, it's a milestone event in the UK, and it is also expected to be the largest gathering of world leaders ever to take place here. So no pressure. Indeed. What are your hopes and expectations then for these two weeks of discussions? Everybody's eyes are on this summit, Lorna, so the hopes are high. More specifically, though, the hope is that world leaders will align on initiatives to be able to meet the goals of COP26, the first of which is securing global net zero by mid-century and keeping one and a half degrees Celsius within reach. The second goal is adapting to protect communities and natural habitats, and we're seeing this issue gain more momentum as well, for instance, to the establishment of TNFD, but we need more swift action on this. The third goal is to mobilize finance, and given our role at Architest, this is key for us. The final goal is to work together to deliver. Personally, I expect to see a number of new initiatives for delivering climate action, tougher commitments by national leaders, and a real step change in climate policy. It'd also be great if we could make more progress on a standardized global carbon price and could see some guidance on climate-related disclosures by companies. I know the focus on a just transition by including and supporting developing countries has been a focus of discussions leading up to COP26, so I expect that to continue. And overall, this is an opportunity for meaningful commitments and international collaboration, which can lead to tough actions to protect our planet. This all sounds like a very busy two weeks, but some positives in the future there. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you, Lorna.